Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war it's a war so welcome to episode number I knew seven. Six. is it six Ooh. Ooh, it's not seven of the art of war, the art of war podcast i'm one of your hosts Heifer Ife. and i'm chanel and i'm daryl and we have chantal bloomfield of yarn movement with us today or an exciting, exciting, exciting thing because crocheting. Right. <laughs> hey, thank Was you. That, or a ladybug. Yeah, you can yeah. say ladybug. That's for S. Dot ladybug. Ladybugs are required good. for gardens to grow if we bring good luck, happiness, and everything else. So just say ladybug. I'm here. Yeah, she's a, and she's definitely <laughs> a ladybug because she does bring happiness. She's always bringing a smile to the, um, to my feed. Uh, with her um, videos of her crocheting and things of that nature. Very much the ladybug. Welcome to our show, Chantel. Well, thank you very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, it's a nice day in California, you know, so. Yeah, she's getting that. Hopefully we can fun. spread some sunshine around the globe. People are social distancing safely, even though they're making babies, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not here yeah. to talk about babies. Yeah. <laughs> we're here to talk about art, okay? Chantel will supply the blankets for the babies, okay? Yes. That I will, you know? Yeah. The name is dropped, but if you need booties, beanies, and blankets, I got you. Exactly. <laughs> Ladybug got you. I got it. So, um... Miss S. Dot Ladybug, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I'm originally from the Bay Area, California, a small city called Vallejo, California, that used to not be known, but you know, we have some really dope, talented people who are coming out of Vallejo, like her. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> Sabathia, he's retired now, but he was on the pitcher for the Yankees. And so our little small city, and of course, E40, you know, a little small city has been on the globe now. And so I'm from Vallejo, California. Um, let's see, I left here and, you know, to head to college. So I went to Howard University undergrad. I um, also went to Stanford as well. I was a pre-med major and while on campus I decided that I didn't want to be broke all the way from California being on campus cold and I still want to look cute so that was when I launched my clothing line was which was 20 years ago this year um wow and I will say that when I discovered a, a way this is after I got my degree and decided to take a little hiatus from school and work as a scientist that I discovered how to really take my love for science and really couple it with my passion for being creative. 
And that's what landed me to where I am now and every step that I've taken ever since then. That's amazing. She's a scientist, guys. Scientist. (laughs) Sometimes we just say we're scientists, but no, she's a real one. She's a real one. Read up. Can't take my paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's money that I owe these schools, though. You can have that part. Oh, oh, that's real. That's real. That's real. That is real. So, so what would you say was the moment that sparked, you know, your um, just your 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 spark for crocheting? Like, what what caught you? What what was the moment that you knew that um, crocheting will help you change the world? Like, just you being a part of it, and you just knew that was something for you. Uh, probably when I first learned, I was nine years old, and. My grandmother and her friends that would get together and, you know, it was a a lot of like stay out of grown folks business, stay out of grown folks business happening. But I would sit there and watch and observe. And my grandmother and her friends, they had like, um, I guess what I would call it now are healing circles. But really, they would just come together, cook food and catch up on main events around the neighborhood. But all of them were doing something creative by hand. My grandmother was a cross-stitcher. Her best friend was a crocheter. Um, a few a few knitters and they were quilting. And I latched on to crochet because I just felt like it was the quickest thing that was happening. And I was like, I need to learn this magic. <laughs> and um, so I asked her friend, her name was Cora May, um, and she would teach me to crochet. And, you know, I kind of walked in like, I'm going to have this. I'm very competitive in that way that is nothing that I can't do right and so 15 minutes into the lesson I learned um of course I've kind of mastered it over the years now but in that 15 minutes and that exchange for us I was holding yarn correctly I was making you know chains and I got to a single crochet stitch and I knew then that as small as it was you know like you know I'm really now that I look back Yarn is the most unintimidating thing that you can put in your hands. It's colorful, it's cute, you can throw it, you can twist it around, you know, but I look at it as if I can do that, what, how can I apply that lesson to everything that I do in life? And that, it it was that in that moment, honestly, that I became unstoppable. Yeah, so you would say that, um, sorry, you would say that growing up, your family fostered your creative endeavors? Yeah, for sure. My family and really the community around me um, because I just kind of showed up like I do now. And, you know, it's either you're going to love me or hate me and I don't believe in this in-between business. And I just happen to be, you know, again, part of this small community that it was huge for me just because my my family is big. My dad is the youngest of 13. So you say my last name, like, oh, you're you're related to such and such. So it's always constant eyes on me, you know, or my brothers that were into sports. And so, yeah, that's their, that's their little sister. Don't bother her. And so it was this protective realm that it just allowed me to cultivate the person I was becoming. Dope. Yeah, that is dope. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, it's really awesome to have that kind of environment, like, like you were in it, like your grandmother was a cross stitcher. So, and you had the opportunity for the, the circle to be in the circle. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. To have that kind of um, push into creativity, just to have it around. 
you know, yeah, exactly. the people around. And I was thinking, yeah. there are there are other things that kind of popped up. Um, that's my my mother's grand um, my mother's mom. So that's my grandmother on my mother's side. Her name is Virginia, um, and I talk about her a lot because she's still living, and I spend time with her. I'm her full time care provider for the most part, day to day. Um, but my other grandmother, I learned to sew from her, and I actually still, I think it's in the other room. I still have like all of her books that she gave me, like, you know, she had these books that just had, you know, the power of the stage, learning the stage of each, you know, segment, whether it was yarn thread or cross stage to quilting to working in a machine and just learning it from a book and just watching her do it was important as well. And watching the, the parts that we don't normally see, you know, like from the consumer side, most people will see like a finished product. So right. you don't get to see like, when you messed up at the beginning of a project that you worked on and you technically have to go back and fix it or everything else is messed up. Okay. Right? And even with thinking about that part process, that's, that's a lesson in itself. You know, like when you skip or cut corners as everyone would say, but we can call it a drop stitch. When you drop stitch, it's either going to be a reminder that it's there. You're going to use it for the fashion of moment it can be, you know, like it gives it character, it gives you character, or you're going to have to sit there and take it all out and remember why you did that and why it's not going to happen again, you know? Right, <laughs> right. I, I definitely know that feeling, especially when you're doing a very large project and it, it'll just throw everything off, but you've gone so far. Like I have taken out whole projects before. Yeah, fix a mistake that I that happened in the beginning. <laughs> that was a part of Crazy. my that was a part of my journey of learning. So now I'm just like extra. <laughs> Hold your hands right, yeah. get stitches right. Don't mess up because it just takes me back to those times. I I remember making a blanket, and I messed up on the fifth row, <sighs> and my godmother made me take it all the way out. I cried like a baby. Does that make you, sorry, does that make you a perfectionist, like, in your craft? Like, make you want to do everything the right way? Um, at this point, no. Now, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm so cold with it that, you know, I can see the mistake and nobody else will see it. I know how to fix it now. Well, all right. Yeah, because, you know... Again, after going through the process where you're like, you know, that is literally when you talk about putting time and sweat in something, when you are actually going through an unraveling, you feel your hours that you're unraveling. And it's right. just like, dang, that was like 10 hours. Yeah, and that turned away. Nothing. No one yeah. likes to be in that space. No, nope. Not at all. That's why <laughs> clients, customers, whoever was listening, if you guys are buying handcrafted things, be mindful of the person, the artisan who's making it for you. You know, be objective with your requests. Um, you know, you deal with me, you know, you, you, you're paying a deposit that's not refundable, one. Two, you know, we're going to have a full co consultation in between and I'm going to deliver you the dopest thing that I have to offer. If you don't like it, that's on you. Because, <laughs> hey. you know, it becomes this thing. Like, I was just talking mm -hmm. to one of my clients because I also... Um, I'm to a point where I'm ready to like help other handcrafters, which has been my business over the course of the last couple of years. And I'm just like, you know, you have to be mindful of understanding what the difference between a gift and a service. You know, if somebody is paying you for a service, that means they own it, right? And 
once you release it from yourself, you're done with it. it. It's no longer, it's not a gift. A gift is something that you give a friend and you want them to cherish it forever or whatever it may be. The services, they paid for it. All right, cool. Like, you're out. <laughs> that is the difference between flipping business and being personal about it, right? You take the emotion right. out of it. Like, you already put, if you already know the dopest thing that you can do and you put all, you're all into it, it's... It is what it is, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so, like, speaking of that, right, mm-hmm. like, what um, what challenges, if any, did you face um, uh, getting yarn movement off the ground and to where it is today? Every single one. Every single challenge. I mean, like... The knit and grit of it, like, you know, when you love something so deep, you're willing to give everything up, right? Like, I walked away from science to operate in a creative space full time, right? We're talking, I left six figures to do what I'm doing and ultimately hit a point where I I got my car repo one day, you know, like, I and I was working. I had jumped in the music industry, but I took a major pay cut, right? We're talking about six figure science, feeling like comfy, snuffy, you know, like, <laughs> to back hustling, you know, like studio red, whatever it may be. And, you know, I'm putting money out to make sure that my day to day look right. And I get home one night and there's a knock at the door. And it was like, it was like midnight, past midnight, it was a knock at the door. So I go to your door and the guy's like, you need to give me your keys. So <laughs> I was living with one of my cousins during a time and she was just like, don't give it to him because if you do, you know, you're not going to see your car. And I was just like, guy got me. I put everything into everything I do. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. All right. So I gave the guy my keys. The next morning, I got a check for 10 grand from a project I was working on. And I only, only owed like 2,500 on a car. So I called, the, they're like, wow, that was fast and I was like when can I come they're like right now we haven't even taken nothing out of your car yet and that's life wow yep that has has (laughs) happened um I would say when I was living in New York um you know New York is hit the you know hit the ground running boots on the ground right and so I was doing fashion shows I mean literally I was traveling from Maryland to New York during the week this is when I was still like working as a scientist. I was working four days a week and on Fridays would be my days and I'm like out. And um, I was bartending at night and one of the guys who was a part of like the house band, he was a guitar player and he was a conductor for Amtrak. And so I would meet up with him at 5 a.m. in the morning. He'll let me ride to New York for free. And as long as I was on a six o'clock train back, whatever day I was coming back, I could ride back free and I made cool with all his friends. So like, that was my move. And this is a real journey. <laughs> <laughs> she was on the train, like Maya, she was on a train and everyone was going into New York because it was like a big weekend. It was just like um Rift of Runway is happening. Um there was some show, I want to say it was something for either VH1 Soul, some award show, and that was happening that weekend. Um, the hip hop honors were happening. So everybody was like getting into New York. So I bumped into Maya. I had, I was only doing crochet like earrings as those are the only accessories I was doing during that time. And um, I was like, oh, I have 
door knocker earrings, you know, she was like, oh, those are cute. So I gave her a pair of earrings. I ended up getting into Ripper Runway the same way. They're like, oh, how many you have? I'm like, a whole suitcase full. <laughs> you know, so oh, wow. that, you know, that kind of like opened up a few other doors, I would say. Um, but when we talk about journeys of like, you know, like the ones that are kind of like the ones that bruise you that you'll never forget. Um, right. I was working with like d- luxury d- designer brands because I figured out that I can license my designs and still, you know, make money on like a royalty type tip. And I've had, I got burnt by some lunch, lux- uh, luxury designers, you know, <laughs> just looked at yeah. my design, told me it was unworthy type deal. Next thing I know, next season, my designs are, I mean, from stitch to stitch. Wow. Yeah. You know, I got, I got hip to luxury designers from, cause I went to, um, school for fashion design. Mm-hmm. So I got hip to them from then. And I was like, they really just take your designs. They really do. <laughs> That's pretty much what you're there for is to produce designs that yeah. they put out yeah. with their name on it. And that's Which would be fine if, if their pay is correct. Right. 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 That'd be mm-hmm. fine if the pay is correct. And so from that, I mean, and these are just gems, you know, like I don't do no work without contracts and I love being creative and I love being in a creative space where we can just collab, you know, but I like to have, let's, get, let's get all of the uncomfortable things out first. You know, because when we get in the midst of being creative, like I'm that person, like at this point, I've had to learn how to be a videographer, a (laughs) photographer, my own creative director, pull everything, you know, like I had to learn every facet so I can plug in in any space. And I'm not the one who'll come in and tell you, well, if you're not doing this right, you can't do it. I'm like, let's go. Let's make the most dopest thing that we can do. So we all get credit for it. And everyone is not like that. So I like to have like some kind of agreement that is flexible for change, you know, (laughs) and also like, what is the exit idea? Like, you know, if we do this, you decide you don't want to work no more. Okay. What, what do you want when you're on your way out? Because this is what I like. Right. Right. So like we said, Chantel, you're taking us on the journey. You're taking us on a journey. And we, we heard about some of the bruises, but Let's talk about a good moment, and maybe it might be a bruise, but remembering when the world first saw what you can do with a ball of yarn. Like, can you take us back to that moment when we, when you're like, I'm out here. You're getting to see what I'm doing. Like, let's take us to that moment, please. Okay, so <laughs> I always feel like I'm out here, right? And I feel like I have to operate in that space because it takes a lot of confidence just to you know, show people your thoughts, show people your creations, you know? And so in my mindset, I walk in and it's just this, this I'm out here. <laughs> but I would say the moments that mattered um, probably the most um, was actually kind of recently, a couple of years ago, like three years ago from now, um, I did a show here in the Bay Area. It's my first show in the Bay Area. And I'm from mm-hmm. out here, you know, like, but most of my work has been, everywhere else I've lived. And so therefore my parents have never really been 
present for it. They've seen photos and they'll hear me talking. I've always talked this way. So they're just like, oh yeah, okay, here you go. <laughs> you know? And so this time my mom was actually able to be there. We had a packed room. It was like over 350 people present for the show. Um, and there was like standing elevations. And my mom was just, you would just see like her glow. She's just, cause she got to see, you know, most of the stuff I make is on the go. Like I'm in the car, I'm watching TV. And, you know, it's different from watching the creative process to ultimately seeing the production of it. So that was a big moment. Um, I would say the bigger moments for me personally, internally were um, happened in college. Um, I had the opportunity to make bikini bralettes for the Sean Paul video, um, the light video. And that was a big time, you know, I didn't end up getting credit for it. It was just bralettes I made that I released to someone and I knew they were mine and it wasn't like I'm in the screen, you know, I wasn't on set, you know, but that was a moment for me because minimally it let me know that I'm doing something correct. Right. Right. And you can still see it to this day. Exactly. It's imprinted in there. Yeah. I made a pair of door knocker earrings that I brought up earlier. Um, one of my college classmates, he was like working and doing some styling, styling for magazines. And he had a shoot coming up <clears throat> for Remy Ma. Um, and he was just like, oh, why don't you do some door knockers? Crocheting over them or something. Because she wear door knockers all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. So... I just created a pair and I ended up on the cover of Double XL magazine with Remy Ma. So that was like, that's something like that I hold on to too. All right. That that's a highlight. Yeah. I mean, they're all highlights, but that's that's yeah, that's great to, you know, be able to because first it's it's historical. You can go back, like you said, we can always go back and see it. It's been noted. You've been credited, yep. you know, well, I don't know the credit, but I hope the credit was there. I hope the credit, yeah, the credit was, was there on that one. <laughs> yes. yes, so that's always a good um, thing for artists, other artists to know that, you know, that's another reward that comes, you know, when it comes, but it does come, you know what I mean? So that's an, something great to look forward to. Yes, ma'am. So, yeah. so um, tell us how Yarn Movement and in, in, um, how it evolved into... Uh, your other initiatives like believe in your dream oh yeah believe and, you know just tell us a little bit about that okay so I actually need to go back because I don't get to ever really tell this story quite often um normally just people who are present got to see it so in college um my my company wasn't called yard movement in college it was it was called national society of soul right oh. <laughs> um and in college, of course, you know, my goal was just to make um, hats and scarves for everyone, right? Like, you know, it's cold. Everyone needs a hat and scarf. You can go pay them, but you can pay me too. I'm your classmate. Support small business, you know? Um, and that led into a co-op. So I own the first designer co-op in D.C. It's on U Street, very close to Howard. Um, and we kind of ran it like a barbershop. You know, it was 12 other designers. We were in there. We had a space. And, you know, it was just to elevate versus having people come to your house and try on things or whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. So with them, you know, this is really when I began to get in that space of understanding um, this big part, this big, big lesson of 
being a designer and understanding the different levels of it, because we did DC Fashion Week and there were buyers there. And of course they're like, I'm just going to tell the story from my, you know, perspective of my, you know, my stuff that was in there. I was just like, they were like falling over their faces over my stuff. And the first buyer came to me, he was just like, so our deliverable minimum buy is 200 pieces. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> right away. It opened my mind up that, you know, if I planned on maintaining you know, this level of authenticity of being able to be a handcrafter that I needed to be in a space that I needed to either teach or train other handcrafters to crochet like I do. That way, minimally, we can be in a space where for me, it doesn't matter what name it goes out of as long as the money is right. Everybody's not in that mindset. But, you know, if it's brought to the table in that way, then it can work out. So that was in 2006 that I had that come to Jesus moment, right? Yeah. right. Um, and so that was filed in my mental Rolodex. Secondarily understanding again, throughout this journey of like these bruises that I've gone through, making sure that when you have an opportunity to fix it or correct it, that the next person shouldn't have to go through it because you already did it. So let's not repeat history. Let's go through something else and make it better, right? And so my goal was next to understand how I was going to be in position to use my own journey to just share information because you know information it should be free it's not always free people like hold you and put their foot in your their foot in your neck sometimes to share information to you and I wanted to make sure that didn't happen so mm. moving forward into where yarn movement is now one of the things that I can grasp onto will take us back to the story that I share with you all of me spending time with my grandmother and her friends right what I look at that and how I compare it to my own life is that that could be me and my friends and us being around, having fun and right. cultivating a creative community where we can all live, be free and do the things that we love. Right. Um, and so two sides broke off immediately from Yarn Movement. So even in the name Yarn Movement, I'm like, this is a movement. This is a mindset of being creative, but also being creative and a boss, making money, traveling, and I knew also from the experience of having a co-op that I'm not a stationary type of person. I got to move around when I want to, you know? <laughs> so if I'm meeting other crocheters around the world, I want to be able to go to them. They can come to us. We can do shows together and be in a space where I have to be tied in and tied down and run the business in that area wasn't for me, right? And so now where we are with Yarn Movement, it's all really about my mission is sharing the power of creativity to empower the world. Um, and I say that it's a, fa a global fashion and lifestyle brand, and it's created to inspire consumers to value craftsmanship within their consumption. So while you're consuming as a consumer, value what you're purchasing and understand what you're doing. What are you doing? You're supporting artisans, but you're also supporting potentially communities of artisans that are being developed going back to being able to hire those hands. So that is the setup for <laughs> where Yarn Movement is now and the break off for where artisans are living, which I call Addiction by Yarn Movement. Addiction by Yarn Movement is an international global marketplace for handcrafters. Um, and being able to connect, at this point I've traveled to, I don't know how many countries at this point, but you know, everywhere I go, 
a part of my journey is going in to find handcrafters because I was going to find yarn and going to find yarn is kind of like finding rice and whatever, you know, culture you're going into. You find a good rice, you find, you know, the heart and soul of community, right? And so going to find yarn put me in a space where I'm finding leathersmith and jewelry makers and, you know, other crocheters, you know, and looking at the things that they do and being able to support them, but support them in the way where these are things that you're not going to find in stores because people aren't going in to have those interconnected relationships where you just understand each other because you're artisans together. Right. And so mm-hmm. addiction by yarn movement is what that is. So it's a training, it's a teaching, and it's also a platform where, you know, I'm offering a space for economic exchange for all the artisans so they can actually get their credit because that takes us back to that story I was telling you all about those luxury brands that stole designs. There's no difference than what's happening right now in these big department luxury brands, right? They go into right, right. Africa, you know, like, in I mean, Asia, everywhere. All and parts of Asia. They go and barter and bargain the costs to bring it back and up it. Right. Meanwhile, in these communities, they're dying. You know, like no water, no power, barely educated, barely eating, but hustling them their way to have something that they give and pour their all into. So that's right. what opened up this space for the foundation, Believe in What You Dream, which so- is really talking to that girl, <laughs> that young girl, <laughs> that nine-year-old girl who found her superpower. And so that's what I do for young girls. I'm helping them discover their superpowers through that same journey. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I hear you making global movements, you're traveling, you're doing a lot of things. And that means you're reaching a lot of different people. So um, with Yarn Movement, you also had a Black History Month initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that come about? Same, same, um, you know, same space, same energy. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, at least the people I speak to, they don't get to see crocheters all the time. So I'm probably the only crocheter they know unless they're a grandmother or someone else but it's you know that's about it it's like me and then there's a jump and so I just wanted to show and highlight you know while we're on social media while we're in this space we have a lot of access to people now that we probably haven't had before and literally not only I'm like you know I'm a scientist of my craft and so I literally go seek out and discover new things and new people and you know, I'm the one that respects people what they do and highlight them all day because I don't feel like we're in competition. The only person I'm in competition is who I was yesterday. Right. So with that space and, and, and that same energy, I just started reaching out. And really my goal was to just highlight 28, 28 days, Black history, let's get 28. And I just started just sending like, you know, it's kind of that thing you want 50 people to come to your party, you send 150 invitations out, right? And so I just sent messages, direct messages to Black stitchers that I found or that I follow already or like I've liked their stuff. And it was overwhelming because I think that some people like they sent their videos like soon as I, like you know, like, hey, can you send me a video? Sent it right back. And I was like, dang. Right? It was awesome. It was cute. 
<laughs> yeah, and you know, I would say too, you know, and it's about giving each other our flowers, you know, because when you're at home and you're down, you know, being creative, whether you being a stitcher, a rhymer, like you writing, whatever you're creating, like it's between you and you, you know, and sometimes, sometimes the people who are closest to you don't even give you that love that you deserve. And so that's where it came out of. And I'm really glad that I did because one of our stitchers that we highlighted actually passed away. Wow. I saw that. That was, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, Adam really? Joyce, and she my was based condolences. in Nigeria. Yep. Yeah, my so. condolences. And, and she got to do one last thing to show her talent. Yeah. And she was like, sick. <laughs> Adamu Joyce, my sister in Nigeria. Rest in power, sis, you know? Hopefully her work will be there forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, like, you have her video. It, it, like, it, it's kind of immortalized in a way, in that way. Yeah. Well, that's also the thing about stitches that I believe that, you know, um, because they're done by hand, they're almost like your silent prayers, your silent, you know, gifts to the earth that will all, I mean, mm -hmm. this piece behind me, this one, which way, yeah, this one back here, like, I did this in high school. It's still here. It's still present. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, wow. like, it's going to outlive. I mean, I have things from Cora May, who's the one who taught me originally. She passed away close to 15 years ago and I still have blankets and like, you know, they're portals. Yeah. Being, they're portals Those today. are definitely like transitional, like generationally transitional, like they'll keep going as long as you have someone to pass it to and they appreciate it and know what it is. And they keep passing it down. It, yeah. it could, <laughs> it could be immortal, you know, in a way. One thing I love that you said about um, referring the circles when we were younger was the fact that you referred to them as being healing circles and like, you know, what you would compare it to. And I love that aspect because we as a people are always looking for ways to heal ourselves. And I also love the fact that they all were different types of creatives. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, we all do one thing. It's only the crocheting mm -hmm. club. It was just women or whoever come together with their different, uh, you know, their different crafts, but still finding a commonality and still, still finding ways to support each other. And I'm, I'm just really, I really love that aspect because, you know, as women and as black women, black women, period, uh, we do need those outlets. So, I, I, you know, just someone hearing them, you know, that will make them think, okay, you know, what, I can do a circle or I can have um, something like this going on in my community or just in my, with my own family. With my own grandmother, or, you know, she's still here. Wait a minute. Uh, sometimes I ignore her when she's crocheting. Wait a minute, this is cool. Yes. You know what I mean? So right. those traditions are back to the forefront um, and just explaining the different, you know, just the historical points of it and just all, all the meanings to it, you know, and all it could be. Um, it could, it's just more than, like you said, keeping you warm, uh, blessing a baby, or blessing someone a gift business you know it's just so many things that you can do you know it's taking you many places and yeah I just appreciate it all thank you also I would want to say too that when you say historical um you know because I am a scientist <laughs> <laughs> you know I was sitting back and you know 
constantly I'm in this space of like discovery and collection of information. And so I decided I was going to do some research to see if I could find out where crocheting came from. And I just started just digging and digging and digging. And I was able to track it back at least to the second dynasty of Egypt. And um, there's actually hieroglyphics of um, the goddess of weaving, whose name was Neth. And she was known for being fashionable. And her staff actually is in the shape of a hook, like a crochet hook. And I thought that was important because when you look at the hieroglyphics, you see women in circles. And right now, crocheting and sometimes the craft work is now is being segregated a whole lot. And with a, a, a goal of integrating it back into just being a part of what you do. Um, I know, I don't know if we're going to get to this, but I'm just going to bring it in now. That is actually where the healing circles and also the sympathy stitches came from to encourage people to come in and just be a part of a space because, you know, you could, you could work with people, you can go to church with them, you can be a part of different communities, but you'll never really know what's going on with them if you don't sit down and actually have a designated space to be open. Right. And, um, you know, for me, just traveling around each place, I just made it a habit of mine to find crafters. And so we can meet up and have like coffee or have a drink and, you know, be in circles so we can actually engage. Like I believe totally into meeting people and hearing about their stories and understanding who they are as people because that's how we stay connected and not wasting those connections. Because for me, if I were to use like a metaphor of like my life, it's just everyone that I come in contact with, we're like stitching into our own tapestries of life and we either can hold on to them, they can become drop stitches, but what happens is that's what paints the picture and make your life colorful. Right. All right, dope, that's great. I did wanna ask you about, um, because you, very talented. I haven't um, really knows. I'm not a crocheter, obviously, <laughs> but I'm a photographer and filmmaker. But what I do want to ask you is, um, what's your method of um, preparation from the inception of the thought to the completed piece that you have? So I, I operate backwards. I start with the end product operate backwards and create a plan moving forward. So that sounds backwards, I know, but I always have a vision of what I want it to look like. Um, and so coming back to the table, like where we are today, you know, um, I make sure whatever I do that my passion is in it, which I'm full of passion, we all know, but <laughs> um, that my passion is there, but also, creating a plan because I think that's what separates me from other creatives. And maybe that is the part that makes me a scientist is being methodical with the, the steps. And it's not to say that, again, things can change based on who you collaborate with, what opportunities come out of it or whatever it may be. It may cause a, a shift, but as long as it leads to the end, I'm with it. And so that is the key, I guess, is having a plan. Plans are the most important part. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. And some, sometimes, sometimes though, like, like me as a crocheter, I, I don't use patterns at all. 
mm-hmm. I'm it just does not register in my mind like the patterns <laughs> the reading patterns um so like a lot of the things i do it it's like it it's like a spur of the moment let's say mm-hmm. like you know it just okay and then i i just get the idea okay bam and then i'll go and it just evolves as it's going with no particular plan sometimes mm-hmm. those kinds of things work out really well too like you know when you have you know it's just like a free flowing of your creativity like for yarn that's how i operate yeah. with yarn yeah cuz i know some people like are so like on it with the like with a pattern i don't know how <laughs> and I respect you so much. <laughs> I, am so I respect a, a person that can do a pattern so much. I must clear this up too. Like when I say plan, I, I don't put a plan on creativity. Because really all of my dope stuff happens like 11th hour. Okay. 11th yeah. hour. Because I'm a quick, I'm a very fast crocheter. And so like literally I could, it could be like, boom. It's like, oh yeah, we're making this happen. Like there's so many fashion shows that have been like that where I'm like, oh yeah, I got another piece. I just did it last night. And they're like, what is going? And it turns out to be the best piece I have. And <laughs> yeah, that, it, it works out like that. Yeah. Like for real, it does. Yeah, but. Like, so, um, like, so like, since we're like, we're hitting this part right here and we're talking like, what, what are your struggles with productivity? Like, cause you say you're a fast crocheter. So I wanted to get this question in there. Um, like, do you have any like productivity issues? Like it, you're not going as fast as you should, or you're like, eh, you know, like. Yeah, no, my problem, my problem is being too many, too many ideas, too many, like too much creative stuff. Like, you know, I have books and books of things that I just made a habit of like writing it down, but my problem too is that sometimes I write it down and don't go back to it, and then it's just that's yeah, that's what I mean. Like as far as like um, your output, like for your productivity, like in that way. Yeah, because right now I have to like just be in a space like, you know, it's it's one hat to wear the creative hat, it's another hat to wear the entrepreneurial hat, right? It's a whole another hat to run a business, and yeah. so. Business-wise, sure. I'm talking about plans. I'm looking at, okay, where am I going to make my money? Let me do that. And then it leaves space and some comfort for me to go and be really creative over here without putting a time frame on it, without putting okay. any pressures on it. Um, because really, I'm full-time. I'm, this is what I do full-time. So, like, I don't have any outside pressures. I don't have any, like, bosses, like, on, on my neck, like, when are you going to finish this? Can you hurry up? And it's just, I don't have that to deal with. And so also that is, it's a gift of its own, but it's also making sure that on this journey, being able to keep on probing myself to be better, mm-hmm. I have to set bars and, and set plans to hit so I can have milestones so I can look back and say, you know, I mean, <laughs> and be okay with, hey, you woke up and you did one thing. Versus like just trying to take over the world, which I need to have it. But, you know, like, but just being realistic with that process of 
looking at the one thing that I want to do today, do that and understanding how it shapes into this next part. Right. Yeah, because that's what, one of my issues is having too many ideas and trying to execute them all at once. It kind of like drains from each whatever all you can be putting into it when you don't put a lot of focus on it, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm stepping back and trying to learn. Yeah, focus that, on one yeah, thing. That's, and <laughs> That's the step. Have, have a plan, you know, Look at the ones that are like, what are your your quick, your quick, be a champion really quick. What are the quick ones that are going to get you to a next point that are going to encourage? I know for me, I used to want to focus on the one that was most complicated. Meanwhile, you know, I like to say it's like you're stepping over dollars to get to pennies because it was a quick dollar to pick up. And it's just like, you're spending so much time to like, oh, I got to hurry up and get to these pennies. And it's just like, I missed out on all of this when I could have put myself in a better space to open up. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. because all of those pennies, it took a hundred of those to get, when you just could have picked up the dollar. Right. You had a hundred pennies collected. So, so Chantel, you've been dropping some jewels tonight. You've been, uh, yeah, really, really feeding our audience and ourselves. Um, I'm, I'm giving thanks for that. So you gave us some tips. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing or recalling that you know you got into a mode of being on task, like you said, that miserable task of undoing a whole project. You know, of you know, mastering. Okay, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna get this correct because I'm not gonna stay here all night and do it, even though yeah. my task is clear. <laughs> Right. So what techniques, um, if you can share some techniques that you that are go to's for you, because you mentioned there's some that champion through, you know, some projects that you know that you're just a master at and you can just put out there if you don't mind sharing. What are some of the techniques as your go to uh, um, that you know you can yeah, just I don't mind sharing it. at all? Because I, I think that I needed to go back to um, the Believe in What You Dream program anyway. Um, and really, that is that program is centered around the basics. You know, and the basics for me um, is three parts is the dreams you make is journaling your journey and the power of the stitch. Right. And so the dreams you make are those quick ones that we were talking about. Right. Where these are the things that you do for yourself. In my class, I make dream catchers. I see a dream catcher behind you. Dream catchers are very important um, just to the journey, just because if you look at the symbolism of a dream catcher being above your head, you know, quite often through this journey of life, we, we're not always able to like verbalize or, you know, put a narrative around our dreams that we have, you know, because maybe they're too complex. Maybe we just haven't, we have a vision, but we don't know how to put them to words where people can visualize them. Um, that it's important to understand that it's something there. And so I start all of my, my classes off with making dream catchers because of that reason. It's something you go to sleep and you wake up to. No matter what is going on around you, you have something to hold on to that now you have this exchange, right? And that is a scientific part of exchanging between your brain and your hands. You know, just training yourself to be in a space where you take an action, and taking an action is connected to you being able to repeat that. So literally, you had a thought, you took your hands and took an action. It doesn't matter if you're crocheting, you're writing, you're, you know, you, whatever you're doing with your hands, you're cooking, right? But the fact that you did it, you solidified it for yourself. 
right? Now people can come and like tell you how great you did, what you'd be doing better or whatever it may be, but you did it. And so that is the first step of realizing that you have a power. That is your power. You thought about it, you did it, right? What else can you do? Well, while you're in this process of understanding what else you can do, now it's the journaling part. And I don't have to explain journaling, but I do have to explain the journey of it because not often do people tell you that you should go back to what you journal and read what you wrote, what you executed, but also what you could have been doing better. And in the future, what kind of help you need, right? Because we're all gonna be in a space as long as we're on this journey of living out our dreams and taking actions to get there, we're gonna get in a space where ultimately you are gonna have to have somebody come in who's gonna help or who's gonna ask, how can I help? Right. And far too often we'll say like, oh, I don't know Well, you can do this. And it's better to say, I'm glad you asked. Because over the course of my journey, these are things that I need help with. Right. And at that point, you make a decision if you want to do it yourself, have your hand held or have someone do it for you. But, you know, like, you know, at any point, you at least know how it fits in. And then last is really the power of the stitch. The power of the stitch for me and how I'm teaching it in the Believe in What You Dream program, we start off with the basics of, you know, rolling a yarn ball is the most important important part of the process of untangling your mind, you know, and it's it's one that you don't have to pay a psychologist for. You don't have to do anything other than roll a yarn ball. And what you're doing is you're matching your mind up like kind of like a wheel on a car like you press the brakes and then you start rolling again and when you start rolling again you're putting yourself in a position where you're focused on you and so we start with the yarn ball we do you know a chain I'm teaching them how to hold their hands properly and we do four stitches and that's all I'm really teaching them right and then we go into projects from there and from there they have the basics they can do what they want but it's similar to your question of like how do you do it? Well, you take the essentials. These are the essential stitches for you, right? Same thing in life. You take the essentials and you're putting them together and you're putting them in a combination that works out for you. So therefore now you've, your operating system, your brain is your computer. Right. You know, you're telling your brain and your body what to do based on how you're coding your success. And as long as you understand, you know, like you have the power to do that, you, you wrote out what you want it to look like. You're not quite sure how it's going to work out, but you wrote it out and you're maintaining this process of adaptation and modifying it along the way. And understanding that these are things that you're making, that's, that's it. And that is the key to believing in yourself, believing in what you dream, but also understanding like that is your superpower. So when I'm saying I'm helping these girls find their superpowers, Nowhere in there do you hear someone who had to come and lift you up and carry you somewhere. Like you can sit on your own, your you know, like your own ground and understand like everything I need is here. How am I going to express it out? Right. That's that's very powerful, especially with young people um, and the most uh, impressionable ages. But you know, you're looking. Um, to prove yourself, you know, self-determination, or, you know, that's that when you're looking around for others to support you. So to establish in someone or help them to figure out and see that you're in your own power, you you have possess your own power, uh, and, and you're doing it in a creative way. And like I said, I'm always going back to the means. You, you give someone a, a power to have 
the means to do things for themselves. You know, it's like, oh, if you master this, you know, this is a viable source. You can work. You can do all different types of things. You can connect with people. Um, you can expand on it in so many different ways. So this this is limitless. You know, when yeah. you turn to creativity and and anyone at any age, but definitely in a, a young person's life. So we talked about technique. We talked about uh, just different means. Uh, and, and I keep hearing um, the entrepreneurial um, spirit in you that you you definitely developed because like just everything um, that I've heard from you basically tonight is just basically saying, listen, there's a method, you know, find your groove, find find your lane and, and work it, you know, and that's, that's basically what I've been hearing all night is the way you expressing to us how you found the way to make it work for you. And you've been able to show other people and, you know, to, to find their own way. And it might not be even being crocheting, you know, right, or, right. you know, or sewing because it translates life gems. You've been dropping life gems in connection with uh, just being aware of what you're doing, why you're doing it. And that can be for anything in life, you know, not wasting your time, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's just so many things can be taken from this um, conversation that we've had um, so far. And yeah. but one thing I want to know, since you've mastered that and you're, you're a professional, what is your ritual? What do what does Chantel do to get in the mood to crochet? What, what do you do? What turns you on? Like the mood is set. Let's just, just one last thing for me. <laughs> um, so crocheting is, it's a part of my life. You know, I would say that painters have their brushes. Oh no. No. You know, like I can pick it up anywhere. Like, and there's, there's no restrictions because I don't allow it to be a restrictive thing. Right. Like you can see me in church. Like, you know, in college, I remember my um, my biology professor, because I sat right in the front, and he called me out, and he was just like, Miss Brumfield, and I was like, mm-hmm, he asked this question, I answered it, and I gave it in my colorful answer, he was just like, wow, you were really paying attention, I thought you weren't paying attention because you're crocheting, and I was like, well, you should also know that crocheting allows your mind to laser sharp focus, I right. probably am the most, you know, like, zoned into whatever you're talking about right now. <laughs> right but, it's you true. know go from there but it was, it was a true statement you know right. but you know it it, it kind of removes all of these extra outside things you know like the fears the inconsistencies the insecurities that will come where you can just be whole in your own moment awesome awesome okay I said one last question but when is your birthday when is your birthday? I need to notice this is it's eating away at me. When is your birthday, please? And it's, it's because it says the um, horoscope sign or zodiac sign? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, where yes. It's two, 217. Okay. All right. I see it. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> the adventurous uh, can't keep, you know, I don't like to be tied down, you know, just. <laughs> yeah, I have a there. I know Aquarius. I'm a Gemini. We're Gemini. Well, Kepra and I are Gemini, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Down the Sag. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, I just I, it was just it was just really I was really curious because you're really big and, and you're bright. You're bright, and I was like, oh, this sounds like you were you were giving me Virgo, but I was reading Virgo, but because you were like really 
plan and execute. And but that's I think that's still in the chart. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you. this would be the the final question. Okay. Right. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? So my legacy is believe in what you dream. And I say that because I'm able to work with young girls and have an exchange where I think the best thing that I can give them is, you know, the gift of that journey of finding their superpowers. Uh, that's, that's the core of who I am. Um, I travel all around the world to do that. I mean, you know, I go into the unknown corners of the earth uh, to do that work. And it's, it's very, um, it just sits at the core of me. And I will say, I was going to bring it up earlier. Um, when the question came up of, you know, what was, what have been those moments? And I don't want to like change or shift the energy, but, and it's because it is so deep into the core of like my existence that, you know, my last trip to Tanzania, I left, I left the States with the goal of working th with 300 girls. You know, previous years, I took 100% of my, uh, the money that I was making from Yarn Movement to invest in doing this work. Yeah, I wanted to travel, but, you know, travel was beginning to feel mand um, mundane in a, in a way because, the folks that I would see who look like me, you know, were being treated lesser or not getting the best out of life, right? And, you know, if we can't show up for ourselves, who's gonna show up for us, right? And so going into Tanzania, we went into the Maasai villages. Growing up, I had like the origins book. I don't know if you guys remember that book, but the origins book was like a photography book and, um, I think I have a, a small one of that. Yes. And <laughs> so I remember that book being at my grandmother's house. Um, cause she did a lot of travel in her and my grandfather. Um, and so she had this book of the Maasai and I would like go through it. And I was just like captivated. And it's something that imprinted in my, my memory. And so going into Tanzania and actually being able to go into the Maasai villages, but work with the girls was just, you know, I wouldn't even say off a bucket list. It was just a part of my framework, you know, my tapestry. And going in, you know, I walked in with what I knew it was crochet. This is what I'm here to do, you know, along with a few other things that I picked up along the way. But um, it changed my life in, in, in an instance because when we got there, again, I only went to go work with 300 girls. So here we are at our first school. We we're going to 10 schools. And I'm talking to the principal. And of course, we had to have this conversation of we're here. I went with, I partnered with a solar energy company because I was telling them about my journey in Nigeria and Morocco, how it was like bad, you know, like as far as like no power. And, you know, and so they fell in love with the journey and we decided we're going to do this work together. So they were there to install solar into the schools. And I was there to work with girls. So I work with 30 girls at this school, talking to the principal, you know, of course, they're in a mindset of like, as much as we see here, of these nonprofits going in to do work, they're still a mindset of like, okay, well, how much do you want us to pay? 
you know, and it's just like, no, we're here to do this, right? So an hour into my workshop, the principal comes in, he's blown away by these girls because of course I don't speak Kiswahili and we're having muted exchanges in this classroom and all of these girls have rolled yarn balls already and they're holding their crochet hooks and doing something, right? Regardless if they were chaining or not, right? Many of them were, but he was just like, wow, you know? And he asked if I would work with another group. And the other group was a group of child bride mothers, which is crazy to say, but um, when you have a child, you automatically become a woman. And so some of these girls are the same age as the girls who are in the classroom. They're 14, between 14 and 19 years old. And they come in and that was the group too, who was just like, they were holding on to the pulse of life, understanding like, how do I get here? How do I do this? How do I get over, over this hump that I'm in? Right. right. And so me just being present of like, I came here from California all the way out here to come talk to you, you know, talk to y'all. And they were like zoned in. And it was originally 10 girls in the classroom. One of the girls jump up. She like shoots out of her room. And I was just like, you know, maybe maybe my, maybe I'm speaking too quick, you know, like, and they didn't have a translator, but they did have like one of the teachers who certain words I would say she would have to translate. And she comes back with like 40 girls with their babies on their bags. So it was in that moment that I'm like, wow. Ooh. Right. Wow. And even at yeah. the school, awesome. I don't know, like, cause we drove. And so I don't know like the longest trip that any of you all have ever made, but being here in California, we drive from the Bay area down to LA it's a six hour flight or six hour drive. And so we drove seven hours to get to get through the Serengeti. So, I mean, like we saw so many animals that you just kind of like, Oh, like you, like you see so many, I don't know, like how many mentally you have to see to just say, Hey, I'm sick of seeing zebra. <laughs> like, so it had to be like over a thousand plus. Right. And we get there and for me, that was the real middle of nowhere. Like we're in the middle of the Serengeti and there are over 10,000, or sorry, 2,000 kids at the school. Wow. So my legacy is being able to just live out that, that need or that, that want of like helping young girls discover that their superpowers inside. And and for real, like when you teach someone how to use their hands to make something, like that's with them for for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? So it's an it's an amazing thing to impart what you know how to do. Bring keep it keep it going because you know, like a lot of people would judge crocheting as, oh, that's old, old fashioned and all it's that kind of stuff. Right. And I mean, you know, like everything in fashion has its moments. Right. But if, if, if you can crochet, you're literally making fabric, you're making clothing, mm -hmm. um, you're making home goods with just your hands and yarn you know what I mean so 
it, it's it's an amazing thing. Like big ups to all the stitchers out there. And man, if you guys could see this backdrop Chantel has. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, we definitely have to. You have to send me a picture of you with it. Okay. So I right. can post. So people could so I could we could use that as your 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 picture. Okay. Because it is an amazingly awesome. I'm scared to know how long it's I'm like, what I don't girl, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, girl, all I see is strings. I'm like, what? Yeah. That anxiety I can <laughs> I can tell you that that's a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Blame by blame. <laughs> One by one, get yeah, it? One one. Like, I got it. Intensity of it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That really it started off as an idea that I had for a photo shoot. You know, um, artists like, oh, we just need a texture, right? I'm like, I'm gonna make a backdrop. Then you know, COVID hit, and I'm like, Lord. There's a permanent backdrop. You yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> and it's, it, turned out, it turned out to be a business in its own because people are like, where did you get that backdrop? I made it. Can you make one? Yep. Right. There you go. If I could ask you um, mm -hmm. my last question. Um, first, um, <laughs> what's your um, website or Instagram? Or and two, if someone's going to get in contact with your work, which pieces would you want to show first or showcase first? Um, so first question, my website is yarnmovement.com. I always push people to go to my YouTube page, A, because I'm trying to build up my following on YouTube. Um, my views are up, of course, um, but uh, YouTube has a way for me to just cycle in all the different things. You know, I put my TikTok videos up there. I put... Yeah. Like some of the work, because I've been working on fashion documentaries that's there. Um, then I would say Instagram is probably next, and Facebook, then, you know, TikTok, then Pinterest. And they're all... Yeah, you're going to have to give get, hit us with all those those uh, addies for those things. Oh, yeah, they're all the same. It's, it's all your movement. <laughs> it's all, all like, yarn. Yeah. It's simple. She's like, you will it's find all, it. It's all your movement. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not playing. She's like yarn movement. You heard it. Anyone yeah. here? It's me. Because I know your personal Insta is s dot ladybug. Ladybug, yeah. But okay. but yeah, that is my personal s dot ladybug. Huh? Oh, see, that's the, that's the Aquarius right there. But guys, you can't see it. But I just I just spotted the Aquarius. <laughs> um, but as far as like the pieces that I would like people to see first. Um, it really just matters on like who the person is because I think I have something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I spend some time like making sure that I like research before I put things out. And I launched a, a Mills swimwear line what? in 2016. Um, my cousin is actually a model and, you know, we were just kind of like frustrated in a space. I was in New York and it was like fashion week and I was just like, man, we need to be in every big show. We need to have our own show. It's like, but we need to just travel around with it. And like, we we're just sitting there talking and we made plans to, um, we we're going to go to Croatia for Yacht Week. 
And before we were going, he called me and he was just like, yo, what am I doing? I'm about to buy, you know, some swimwear from you. Can you make swimwear for me? And he was just like, I'm going to do a shoot. And when we get out there, it's just going to be fly. And so I actually went through and I was trying to use like this yarn that just to show people that you can swim in it. It's stretchable. It's durable. You can wash it. And I was just like, this is a perfect opportunity. And so I made what we call the Corrado. His name is Conrad, but we call the bottoms the Corrado. And it's like a sunken <laughs> or a brief. And we just did shoots. And we had big goals. We got hooked up with this photographer who was a Vogue photographer, like Vogue Italy. And he did all of these dope shoots for us. Um, and then when we met up in Croatia, cause he did like some shoots before I got there. And then when we met up in Croatia, I did like video footage of it. I mean, of course it was like guerrilla style and we were like just having fun. And, you know, now I can say it's a space where, um, this whole mindset and this lifestyle of yarn movement, I want everyone to feel welcome, you know? So we just recently shot, um, a project in Mexico in Tulum. They're actually like still there now, um, but we, we're picking up people like just random people that you see on the street and like, hey, you want to be in a shoot? Just to show that again, like, you know, is it for a model? Sure. But the model is just really like a way of you seeing how it operates. But, you know, we want everybody to come in. You don't have to have like you know, washboard body, we just coming out of COVID or, I mean, some of us are still inside, you know, where put on a nice tank top and it's for you. And I think just people being able to see themselves in my pieces will welcome them in. And like I say, I'm the pilot of this, you know, like the pilot of the, of the movement and I don't have customers, I have passengers and we on this flight together and we can just be fly together. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's dope. That's awesome. Yes. So I enjoyed this. I have to say, this is yeah. this is another one, guys. I mean, we say this all the time, but this is another great show. Like, I really enjoyed it. I I'm not gonna lie. I, thought, I don't know. I thought it was gonna, I'm like, well, I thought it was gonna be a womp womp. But because no- you're talking, because you're talking yeah. about crochet, you know what? That's the good thing about this because that's what everyone needs to know. That is not a wonk wonk type of situation. It's a woo woo. Okay, like we can okay. do okay. Woo woo. That's yeah. right. It's it's about the energy you bring to it. Right. It has you know a lot I mean? to do with it. it. Has a lot to do with it, and you make it cool, fashionable, but. In a way, you're still being serious, but light, but fun. It's like a lot of, you have a lot of different um, facets to how you present your company, your brand, the, the lifestyle. It, it, it's a it's a nice entryway. It's, um, you know, you're big, bad, and bold, but you're still giving that, you know, listen, you have to focus. Right. You need to. And I love that about it because it's not like, yeah, we just doing it, doing it. You know, you could just do it. Once you know what you're doing, <laughs> you know, yeah, what right. I mean? it takes a plan. It takes some work. It takes, right. you know, going through right. some things to really get to this place. And, right. you know, and I'm yeah. not going to sit here and say that it's been easy because it has not been, you know, but I'm doing what I love. So I keep on going. I wake up, put one step in front of the other and keep it moving. 
roll right. that ball of yarn and just keep going, right? Right. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. Rolling. On the real though, that it's very, it is very mind focusing when you sit and roll that ball of yarn. Oh, just fun. Like, even if you're doing it just to focus your mind, you're not yeah. ending up with a project. <laughs> But yep. you're just unrolling the yarn and doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee those, you. Those healing circles, like most of those women are interested in learning to crochet. I'm, I'm sitting there, we're rolling yarn and talking. And ultimately it gets to the point where they're like, oh, I'm going to try and do this. But really it's about having somewhere to, you know, be explosive, you know, like emotionally, but well, all your different, you know, emotions that you have where you can be in a car and, like someone just cut you off and you're in traffic, you can pull out yarn and just roll it. Yeah. Because you have it. to refocus your energy and to carry it. That's where, I mean, I was doing cancer research scientist. You know, I was a cancer research scientist. And so one of the things that you carry around is energies. And it's just like the energy has to go somewhere. And if you don't release it when it needs to be released, it's going to show up. Oh, it shows up. It shows up. And you're so scientific too. Like you're never leaving your science behind. And I love that because yeah, it's like incorporated. <laughs> cognitive together, people. It's cognitive things happening with the hands and your hand and eye coordination. So you're always bringing it back and you sound like a great teacher because like I said, I really thought it was going to be a wonk wonk. But I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go and find some yarn in my house because there's a lot of yarn in my house. Listen, I go grab know. one from Susu and try it. I'm telling you. Right. I do know the basics because my, my mom did uh, teach me how to crochet and knit. However, to look at it, I'm always, I always admire people who have taken it to that next level and really suck it out and really develop their own craft. Like they, they can have their own power in it. And myself, I'm just like, I pick it up, put it down too much. But I, you know, there's a difference. You can see when someone is blessed with a, a gift, you know, it's like, oh, you got it. Like you got it. And my, I kind of just figured I don't have it, but I like it. I like it. I like it. But I don't, I don't got it. I don't got it. But what we do got is a banging podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for coming through, Chantel. Yes, thank it's you. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank and you so sip and stitch. Yeah, it's next Sunday. Next oh. Sunday, like um, if they happen, I don't know when you're airing this podcast, but let's just frame oh, it the, yeah. the proper way, okay? <laughs> so it's every last Sunday of the month, you know, right. it's the sip and stitch that happens. Typically, what happens is also, you know, like you can just sign up, you can bring your yarn, you can just meet up virtually. Ultimately, you'll be in person. Back yeah. in person, okay? right. so um, we should do. We should have get Susu to do it. Oh, I'm definitely gonna get my oldest daughter to come and well, I'm I wanna join too. I wanna yeah, yeah. Get that. Well, I will say I don't know how old Susu is, but you know, we're sitting yeah, Susu's her daughter. Okay. Yeah, so, oh, Susu's my oldest daughter. Yeah, she's 19. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. She got her little crochet on. Okay. Yeah, she's getting on. She's getting on for real for real. So I'm so excited. Yeah. So What's I will Instagram so I can follow her so I can be like, girl, Susu, what you doing? Oh, she'll love that. Okay. She'll <laughs> love it. She'll love it. Thank you. You just have to tell me what it is and I'll follow her. Yes, I will make that connection. I will okay. probably DM. I will make it. Somehow. Yeah, DM, just DM it to her. 
Yes, okay. I will. Thank you so much. So, thank you so much for joining us, Chantel Broomfield, Yarn Crochet Master, as that ladybug, uh-huh. humanitarian, scientist, awesome person, a scientist. Let's not forget, and an awesome person all around. Right. Great energy. Love great. it. Great. Thank you so much Thanks, for coming. Uh, this been a great Sunday. Yeah. Until the basic human rights